You're listening to the Short Shift Podcast, proud member of the Black and Gold Podcast Network. You can support the show by leaving a comment and five-star rating on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can contact the show via Twitter at ShortShiftPod. Cynically acclaimed, incredibly online. It's Boston Hockey Talk with your hosts, Thomas Nystrom and Andrew Johnson. Enjoy the show. better way to have spent your first home stand of the year than with four wins, no losses, 18 goals for, only eight against. As of last night, they are one game behind the Capitals for first place with a game in hand. Andrew, how did you feel about that series? I, I thought they were going to go one-on-one. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I already have enough trouble admitting when other people are right. But I love being wrong here. They looked, they looked, other than the third period of game one, they looked flawless. Defense was humming. Lazan, oh my goodness. Kevin Miller, it's just, the defense on the whole has been perfect. Number one in the league in penalty killing. Yep. I believe now it's, how many goals against in the last? It ain't much. Yeah, um, yeah. I can't get the number out right now, but I think it's like 14, 15, something like that. Something, something like that. ridiculous yeah. like that. Um, we can blame it a little bit on Tristan Jari playing both games, making me, you know, Sully making me look bad there too. But eight, eight points in eight games ain't nothing finer, my man. No, I will take that. And you touched on the defense. I thought Brandon Carlo looked fantastic last night. Carlo looked great. Carlo looked great. Kevin Miller. I gotta, I, I gotta, I gotta talk about him for a minute. Thomas, in all your years of watching the Bruins, and even keeping in mind that this man broke his kneecap four times, <laughs> like even just saying that makes me hurt inside. Have you ever seen him faster? I've never seen him skate like this before. Even I mean, he, before he's skating. He's skating. You could say faster, but to me, there's like more of a sense of urgency. Like he seemed motivated as hell last night. And after the fact we saw, I don't know if you caught it on Twitter, but apparently he hit a seven game bonus yesterday for a quarter of a million dollars. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Which yep. that's such I a, noticed that in the second period. And I was like, Oh, no wonder he's playing. Like his hair is on fucking fire. Yeah. What that's an why. asinine bonus, but yeah, right. Honestly, like I don't, I don't care if there's bonuses like that and we get games like that out of him. I'm fine with it, but cool. he looked awesome. Like I said, Carlo looked awesome. Carlo is like possibly the most consistent player on, as you said, the NHL's number one penalty kill right now. Mm-hmm. They're, they're at 90, over 93%. Yeah, not it's bad for a team that just lost two of their two of their top four defenders and didn't replace them, quote yeah. unquote. 
I thought McAvoy and Carlo both looked good. They're, they look more comfortable breaking out of the zone, uh, which is something that you and I had discussed earlier of possibly an issue having lost Krug because Krug was that guy. And it looks like everybody's stepping into that role pretty well. Grizzlick's doing it again. He had a great game last night and then got banged up again, already ruled out for this Saturday. That's becoming that's becoming a bit of a concern, I have to admit. Grizzlick has stepped in fine in Krug's in Krug's absence because taking on a bigger offensive role, but all of these dings and dangs and dents that he's suffering right now are a cause for concern. This is the third time. This is now the third time this has happened. I read on I read on the Facebook page yesterday. Perfect homestand. The team looked great. Uh, they looked they, they looked crisp out there. Was really missing Connor Clifton. And I I, I put the <laughs> phone down. I put the phone down and I and I went to sleep. And I woke up and I looked to see if that comment was still there. And it was, and it made me sad. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not necessarily a Clifton guy, but I respect how yeah. he's brought him I respect how he's brought himself up, but he scares the shit out of me. Yeah. He plays. He thinks he's a Ford. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, he's still young and everything like that. But he's had an, he's had more than enough time at the NHL level. Uh, you would assume at some point somebody's going to say something to him. I'm sure Cassidy's probably addressed it privately. But I believe combined regular season and postseason, he's played six, between 65 and 70 games. Yeah, like, that's that's enough. You know the speed of the game. You know, you know what your role is, and to to just kind of. I guess freestyle around there is that scares me, especially in a in a defensive unit that is very structured. I do like the I, I do like the move of um, putting Carlo with him. Carlo can kind of be his diaper. It's less than ideal, and you know what? As long as John Moore's not playing, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I guess similarly, like uh, another player who draws the ire of the Boston fan base lately. Uh, Andres Bork had an excellent game last night. A lot of people were talking about him online last night. That was, uh, was the best game I've seen of him in in, in easily easily a year. He's um, he was playing like somebody who didn't want to get scratched and stepped yeah. up in the role of I guess DeBrusque and at least that roster spot while DeBrusque is banged up. Like Pasta's coming back, so mm-hmm. he was probably on reading articles the same as we were about who's the odd man out. And his name was number one on every single list. And now after a game last night where you see what he's capable of, and we've always known he's capable of it, but he really put it together last night. He was in on every play. His line scored two goals. He didn't score, but those goals wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for him on that line and his production. Exactly. I, I, I thought he had scored on the Corrali goal, but that mm-hmm. thing, but that thing dipped and ducked and bounced and knuckled and, went about 20 miles an hour. That had no business going in. (laughs) No business going in at all. Like, yeah, he had changed direction a couple times, but it was so slow that if you are an NHL goaltender, you you have to stop that. You have to stop that shot. Especially in a tie game like that. I mean, Cody Cece just scored. You're not going to get that if you're the Penguins. You're not going to get that very often. So that killed them. I think after, after that goal, the Penguins were done. They were done. After that goal, 13 shots at even strength last night. Yeah. That's it. 13. You could chalk that up to a, it's probably, probably a column A, column B situation, but it's the defense stifling them and the Penguins just, just throwing in the towel or being gassed. 
Mm-hmm. I'd say it's a little bit of both on that one. Bergeron had an excellent two games. Which but, I mean, like on the top line. Uh, I thought it was fine. I keep, it was kind of it was kind of inconsequential as it turned out. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if he got on the score sheet to be honest, but he didn't look out of place. But Coyle also is somebody who can play on any line, in my opinion, anyways. But he probably wouldn't have been my first choice to put on it. Honestly, I reading uh, leading up to the game, I thought. Uh, Anders was a good person that you could toss in there to kind of see if we could light a finder a fire under his ass, which mm-hmm. we did and accomplished on a completely different line. But mm-hmm. um, overall, the Curley line was fucking beautiful last night. And if we can get that that level of production or even something close to it leading into the Capitals series, then I think we're in good shape because a lot of people are looking at the Capitals right now, first in the division, up two points on Boston, but they don't have a regulation loss. Is it that intimidating compared to what Boston's doing right now? Boston only has one regulation loss. And that was a one nothing game where we were just flat in Long Island. Like, just flat. And what did we do the very next night? Or, well, not next night, but the very next game. Lots of scoring. Lots of scoring. <laughs> the, the damn broke. That's it. Um, in terms of the caps, you can look at it two ways. You can look at it either it's intimidating or they're due. So, um, but you putting positive spins on things now. Yeah, I can. <laughs> you're predicting a Bruins loss, and all of a sudden, you're Mr. Positivity. What's in that coffee, bro? Um, it's uh, <laughs> what time is it now? Uh, I can't say. <sighs> so, but yeah, it's very impressive their start. What's even more impressive about their start, though, is that they're doing this without. Alexander Ovechkin, Evgeny Kuznetsov, and Ilya Samsonov. The the uh, the uh, COVID the COVID three the <laughs> the East COVID three, yep. um, and they're also doing it with Zdeno Chara playing twenty two minutes a night right now. Yep. So, and he scored last night. You know, good for him. Everybody Boston. scored last night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He scored last night. Boston Bruins fans ended up be uh, ended up washing themselves in their feelings. You know, mm-hmm. that was probably expected when that happened. But I'm 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 impressed with what the with the Caps start. Um, is it more impressive than what the Bruins are doing? The Bruins are five. The Bruins are five and two. The Washington Capitals are five and three. Mm. That's <laughs> what it comes down to. Yep. Mm-hmm. So no, I don't think it is. I th- it's in, in no regulation losses is all well and good and looks good on the score sheet, but you're five, but they're five and three, which is a good, it's a very solid start by a very good team. I don't think it's more impressive than what Boston's done considering everything. Yeah. And other than those three that are out, you also have a couple people on their injury list right now. Lars Eller is out with an upper body injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Kempney is out with a lower body injury. Tom Wilson is day to day. If I don't see Tom Wilson in the series, I'm not going to be that heartbroken. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, especially especially if Pasta's com- if, if Pasta's coming back and Tom Wilson is out, yeah, that's just that's a perfect storm right there. Yep. So, we can get into predictions after we welcome our guest. We have a uh, a cool one today and we'll uh we'll get to that in a little bit, but but yeah, just to touch on what the Capitals did last night, you said a lot of Bruins fans getting in their feelings about watching Char score. Yeah, like it was it was different seeing him score and and obviously like the uh Lots of, Bruins fans, lots of Bruins fans calling him dad was very, 
That's uh, that's 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 certainly a thing that's happening. Yeah, it's the Bruins fan base has no reason to be salty about it and to throw little jabs at this dude. Like, you don't you don't need to do that. Everybody knows that we love Chara and mm. have tons of respect for him. But I think everybody also is just not one hundred percent over it. And those of us that are, uh, I I would consider myself over it. Same. Even even seeing the, the like the bench just surround him and and celebrate with him last night if part of me was there was a little bit of me that was like oh man like that's weird to see not it wasn't sad or anything if anything it made me feel good because char said he can play he's playing is he perfect no and i mean even just a few days ago on on cap's twitter there were some people complaining about char and complaining about his amount of time on the ice and complaining about his speed and letting people blow by him Etc. And there's, it's going to be like that regardless. If if Char was 25 years old, you could still make those arguments because not everybody's going to have a perfect night. And uh, the fact that he's playing over 20 minutes kind of doesn't surprise me. He played over 20 minutes last year on average for the Bruins, and yeah. I think that's partly why he said, you know, I I know I can still play, and I'm going to still play. The idea of giving him nine, ten minutes a night just wasn't appealing to the dude, and I respect that. And you know what? If if the uh, if the Caps continue to give them those minutes on a night-in, night-out basis, that's honestly good for the other seven teams in the division because he's going to wear out. Like, there's, exactly. there's no question. Talk to me Talk to me around game 30, game 35. And yeah. then, or, you know, talk to me beginning of the playoffs. Yep. You know, he looks, he, he, he looks okay now, yep. but time, and father time is undefeated, my man. And right. we all know this. I mean, we're playing the Capitals again, I think, right at the beginning of March. Mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. a feeling we'll probably talk about this, and we'll we'll touch back on this. If he's anything over 18 minutes a game, at that point, I'll be interested to, to hear what their plan is for him going forward. But you would have to assume as the course of the season goes by, those minutes are going to drop, and it's going to be something that Bruins fans are going to watch because we want to <laughs> be able to tell ourselves it was right. But mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how many minutes he's really playing. It it matters how he plays with those minutes. So right now he is kind of playing on a necessity right now because of Kempney being out and because of, I believe uh, Justin Schultz uh, left the game, left the game uh, last night against the Islanders bleeding all over the ice. So that's something to keep an eye on as well. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I've got, I've got nothing against what he's doing in the the caps. You know what? That the, when the caps mobbed him, when he scored his goal, it was a nice moment. You yeah. know, maybe maybe that's why I'm a little positive. I'm I'm getting soft, mm-hmm. but I'm getting soft in my old age. In the four days that it took between our last recording and now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was nice. But you can miss Chara, think it was weird, feel like it, feel like a moment like that was strange, and still feel it was the right move to cut ties yeah mm-hmm. i mean it would probably be a different sentiment right now on on bruins twitter if the bruins had just dropped last night's game or was only two and two on this home stand mm-hmm. but because they came out and they had honestly a dominant dominant victory I, I i think looking at it you're able to just kind of see it for what it is as opposed to uh as andrew taverna said the sky is falling for bruins fans right um 
it was against a Penns team that does seem to be a little bit upside down right now. Yeah, I mean, 100%. Um, the, the, the players can downplay it all they want, but Jim Rutherford resigning probably has a little bit to do with that. Yeah. In, uh, in my, my wildest theory about Jim Rutherford is that he saw that, that botched three on zero and was like, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> That was, that was, it was, that so was bad. clown shit. Oh my uh, God. I have never seen that before. My, my girlfriend who does not watch hockey was watching the game with me and was like, and she, she, even she said they, they you got to score there. Yeah. Even she said that. <laughs> so I'm guessing Rutherford saw that and was like, uh, nope. Mm-mm. It's, it's it been a very, very long time since I laughed that hard in the middle of a hockey game. So funny, oh and it, and it was crazy too because it was like such a swing of emotions. Because immediately I was pissed off that that rush even happened, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, there's the game! Wait, mm-hmm. holy shit!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to to have looked at that play and not even and it kind of shows the off. Penguins' problems too. Malkin had a clear shot and he passed the puck twice. Mm-hmm. He passed it twice. Yes, he did. What are you doing, dude? Granted, like not even two minutes before that, he rang one right off the crossbar. Mm-hmm. And it, honestly, great looking shot. The dude still has a great shot, but sometimes the pucks aren't going to go your way. That snake is firmly latched to his arm right now. Yeah. Holy shit. All right, right now we're going to bring in our, our guest for the day. It is Greg Young, who covers on Japer's Rink. He covers the Washington Capitals, and he is also on their podcast. Greg, what's going on, man? Not too much, not too much. Uh, we actually just released a show with uh, Corey Snyder of uh, Shutdown Line, and uh, people should definitely check that out. But uh, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you all doing? We're doing great, man. We're, we're coming Fantastic. off uh, two very successful games at home, or really four successful games, but specifically a, a series against the Penguins. Yeah. Uh, the Thank Bruins, you for those. That, yes. that, that was great. <laughs> I enjoyed watching those games. <laughs> uh, Bruins are now sitting a game behind Washington for first place with a game in hand. So this, this next couple games in Washington is, uh, is going to stand out to a lot of Bruins fans for not only the uh, Charles stuff, which I'm sure we'll touch on in a moment, but absolutely huge in the standings considering we're this early into the season and, and the division's really starting to take shape. Well, and Pasternak's coming back, right? For these, for these games too, if I remember yep. correctly. So y'all, y'all must be really excited about that. Oh, we're thrilled. <laughs> he's got, is, a, he spotted the rest of the NHL, like eight games or whatever. And now he's going to come charging up the goal lead. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see if he can make it. <laughs> so on, on that note, like what is, what are some storylines from Boston that uh, Caps fans and, Caps podcasters and writers are, are kind of looking at leading into this couple of games against Boston. Well, I mean, so I think I think just from a cap standpoint, like we 
are presumably going to be getting uh, what I'm calling the Russian four back from their COVID misadventures. Uh, so I think there's going to, from a cap standpoint, it's going to be, how do they fit in the lineup? Where does Evgeny Kuznetsov go? Obviously, Ovechkin's going to be in the top wing, you know, as soon as he's back in the lineup. How do they slot in Dmitry Orlov? Is uh, Ilya Samsonov, like they're kind of going into the year, he was the starting goalie, but is he the starting goalie still? I think it's kind of an open question now. Uh, from a Berlin standpoint, I mean, I think it's pretty simple that Boston was picked by, I think, basically everyone to win the division. And I haven't seen that much that would indicate otherwise. I know that y'all were struggling to score a little bit, start, you know, kind of, although you lose your best goal scorer, that'll happen. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think it'll be interesting from these might be the two best teams in the uh, in the division, given kind of that. Pittsburgh and Philly don't look particularly good. And uh, the last two teams in the division right now are the Rangers and Islanders, which uh, I find personally very satisfying. Um, so I think it's kind of a good chance to maybe two of the best teams in the uh, East. I will not call it the Mass Mutual East, but I will call it the East. Uh, uh, kind of get to see each other. And uh, I'm excited to uh, kind of see what how it shakes out. Yeah, I, I, I was actually on. Uh, we we thought that the uh, the Russians, as you, as you want to call them, the... Uh, that they weren't back for the first game. Is that, are they back? So they, so here's the deal with that. Uh, they, um, they, they had, they, we knew for sure. Uh, Cause the news, I think it broke on a Friday that uh, the four of uh just to go over it for, for all your listeners, uh, the four being Alex Ovechkin, Evgeny Kuznetsov, Dmitry Orlov, and Ilya Samsonov uh, were on their COVID protocol list. And so what that means is that they basically had to be out for a week of games. So we knew that they were going to be out for four. And uh, they have now played all of those four games. Now, what okay. still has to happen is the NHL still needs to reinstate them. And so presumably there needs to be some negative COVID tests. Uh, as far as we know, only one of the four actually tested positive, uh, and that's Samsonov, Ilya Samsonov. Right? But mm. we, you know, I, you don't want to say for sure they're going to be back in until we see that they're off the list and they're literally in the lineup. So I think, I think that's, a, that's a good point of caution that we don't totally know how that's going to work yet. I'm, I'm sure for Washington fans, they would like to see him back. And, and honestly, for the sake of competition, I would like to see how this Boston team matches up to the full Washington team. So yeah, agreed. agreed standings agreed. aside and, and quote unquote, easier games uh, aside. Yeah. I would, I would hope to see them back at some well, point. Well, it's also why, like, I want to see you, you guys play with Pasternak because I love watching Pasternak. He yeah. rules. He's an incredible shooter. He's uh, yeah, I, I, he's great. And obviously your, your, your perfection line is something that is a sight to behold. Uh, for you know for good and bad sometimes <laughs> but it's uh it's uh i yeah i mean like I, if you're a cap fans like i mean i want to see this team against probably the best team they're going to play all year so yeah let's let's do it full strength let's uh bring it on should be fun yeah it's fair to say that this is going to be a measuring stick game for the bruins and speaking of the link that you have to boston i might as well rip the band-aid off now for bruins fans how has Sedano chara looked uh, goal goal last night notwithstanding and admittedly I haven't watched much of him on the caps this year so far but by and large how has he looked on the caps blue line 
So it's funny. I was actually, I've been one of the people that has been somewhat critical of Chara, which is a little blasphemous to say on a Bruins podcast, but not at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess not at all anymore, but um, Mm -hmm. the, uh, the, uh, I, I think at the start, it was, it seemed like he was kind of playing in slow motion. Uh, it's just because, I mean, he, the guy's 43, like, of course he's going to not be at, at a, a totally NHL speed anymore. Um, and I, even like, I mean, he had the goal yesterday, but the game before that he had an atrocious turnover to Barzell. And so, you know, you, you, you look at it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think that I was hoping that Char was mainly going to be a kind of bottom pair defenseman who wasn't in every night. And so far he's been in every night. And do I expect that to keep going forward? I actually don't know. Uh, Peter Laviolette has seemed so far like he likes to play his veterans. So, I mean, maybe Charles will play every night. I don't know if that's the best use of his skill set, given the, the guy's age and lack of mobility and the fact that the Caps have a lot of depth on the blue line, actually. But I, you know, I, I think that it's taken him a little bit to get adjusted. I think he did look better last night. I, he was... All of his shot share metrics were actually really good last night against the Islanders. So, you know, let's see if that's going forward. But I think overall, it's been a little bit of a mixed bag with Chara. Yeah, Laviolette has that history of wanting to play his wanting to play his veterans. And even though Chara is very advanced in his age, as a Caps fan, you so you would say as a Caps fan, you would want to see him playing 20 minutes and 29 seconds a night as he is as of right now? No, although, I mean, then again, like with with Orlov being out and kind of the entire roster being shuffled around a little bit. And also, I mean, he played last night a ton with Justin Schultz, who was out for the last kind of period and everything like that. I do think you need to take that with a little bit of a grain of salt, but yeah, no, I don't want him playing that much. That is, that is too much. (laughs) And and I'll give you another thing. Like I actually, I don't know what I think about him on the penalty kill either. Like they're interesting. Yeah. Like I, it's just because like he's, he can cover a lot of ground just with his body and his stick. But a part of the the deal with the caps PK is that they're kind of an aggressive swarming PK, particularly with the forward position. And, you know, I think that Shara, I think is still kind of figuring out how he fits on the caps PK a little bit. And I, there's been some kind of noticeable, Air guys he just can't get over to cover. And I mean, no shame in giving up a goal to Buffalo's PK or power play because Buffalo's power play is really good. But it's just like, I I have kind of noticed that he really struggles to make up the kind of ground and have the kind of reflexes to really thrive on the PK so far, at least. Yeah, one of the concerns when when we first uh, lost Chara was what, what the role would be like to fill on our penalty kill so far so good we actually we discussed earlier on the podcast that the penalty kill is actually number one in the league so so far so good from that standpoint I don't know what Caps fans necessarily expect his minutes to be uh the the theory over here was that the Bruins were obviously offering him a lesser role and they were thinking somewhere between seven to twelve minutes a night uh scratches some nights and it was originally reported up here or at least uh, speculated that the caps didn't offer him very much more than that, but he did play over 20 minutes a night last season. He's averaging was at he, least was that he now. With McElvoy or uh, with Charlie uh, most of the year last year. Yeah, he was, he was with McAvoy pretty much the entire year. McAvoy yeah. was in his pocket all year. Yeah. yeah. 
but he and, and I mean I I guess I'm kind of I, I I know you guys are inter, have me on to talk to me about the Caps but I'm kind of curious like I how did you see that pair last year like because I'm kind of interested because the Caps I think have put different people beside him and I think it's been maybe a little inconsistent and maybe something I think he's also struggled with just a little bit um I'll take this one well I'll, I'll take this one first um, there was a lot of evidence that, that pointed to Charlie Magavoy carrying Zidane Chara, yeah, um, throughout the season. And I think Chara does better with a, would probably be better suited to, with somebody who is very mobile and very, maybe not a Rover like McAvoy was, but they did work with, they did, they did work well together, but there was a lot of times where Charo would be caught up ice on a pinch and just did not have the skating to catch back up. And McAvoy would have to, would have to retreat and zoom past back the other way. Yeah. Um, I noticed that in the bubble too. Like that right. was, that was no, in the, like the bubble. Was, I didn't even count how Charo played in the bubble yeah, because it was, it was glaring in the bubble for, for yeah, Boston. for sure. Absolutely. It was even kind of, it was even very noticeable before the bubble because even though we had a great defense by the numbers, just, I know eye test versus analytics is going to be a debate in hockey circles until we're all dead, but <laughs> the, uh, the analytics would say he's a solid second pair of defensemen. The eye test would say, stop lobbing the puck out, stop taking delay of game penalties, you know. You you can't use your you can't use your reach for everything. It's just yeah. it was. I think last year, and I, I and I think last year it finally caught up to him. And to the cap for the caps for you guys, who do you think would be Chara's best defensive partner with that information in mind? Yeah. So I think I think that's kind of a two part question because. I mean, if you just wanted to say, okay, if it was just for the sake of Zidane Chara, and that was the only consideration here, I would say maybe a Dmitry Orlov would be the best pairing. I mean, Orlov is very mobile. He's a good passer. He actually is more defensively responsible than he's given credit for, although he does get burned once in a while. But I kind of look at that that skill set and saying, okay, that you know might be someone that would be a good partner for just Chara. The problem with that, though, is that Orlov is a top four defenseman and really should be on the top pair for the Caps. And I don't really see Chara as having that kind of role, even in right now when everyone is hurt. So you're like, okay, if it can't be Orlov, because it probably shouldn't be, then we have like Nick Jensen or Jonas Siegenthaler who are fine. Uh, Analytical darlings. Yeah. Well, but even, even Jensen has like kind of dipped off just a touch analytic wise, although he's still pretty good there. Um, but he kind of fits that skill set to a lesser degree, but, you know, he's kind of a poor man's Dmitry Orlov in a little bit of a way, but he, that might be someone that was actually the pair out on the bottom pair to start the year. Uh, and then actually Jensen's been scratched the last couple of games in favor of Siegenthaler and Trevor Van Riemsdyk. Uh, but you know, that might be going forward. That might be worth a look once everyone's in the lineup and healthy, but that that's kind of Jensen's the guy that kind of comes to mind there. Barry Trotz, what oh. exactly happened there? Okay, um, that's a good question. So we're both, and, we're both curious. I think I know what happened, but I yeah. want a confirmation from somebody who's on the on the ground. Yeah. So okay, now there's a lot of different versions of this story. Um, I think here's so here's the thing. Like 
Trotz was, um, he was up at the end of the year, which we all knew. And everyone around the team knew that at various points the year that they won the cup, he was very close to getting fired. Like there was reports that there was actually one game where they had at home against uh, the Minnesota wild that if they did not win the game, he was going to get fired because there was a lot of kind of talk of like, is this team over the Hill? Are they, do they need a kind of new voice in the room? They this also awful lot like the Julian story in 2011. Yeah. Kind of does. Well, I mean, it sounds like a lot of coaching stories. Like, I mean, you have like, I mean, there's like, eight people that have ever been a coach in the NHL, right? And so they all, like, cycle through. Well, you have one of the most recycled ones in the in the league right now. We do, we do, we do. And he has been a – my favorite stat, I think, is that Peter LaViolette has, like, been a head coach in the NHL every year since I've been in, like, middle school or something. So, because, like, he – the guy does not – I mean, when he gets fired, he gets hired the next year. So, kind of going back to how Trotz left the Caps, I think that – he was up at the end of the year and the caps had a head coach in Todd Reardon that at the time everyone was like, Oh, he's the anointed choice. Like he had interviewed around the league. He in a very kind of subtle little thing. He uh, was actually named that year, the associate head coach, which is always a good sign that you're next up. Yes, exactly. And Trotz knew that and everyone around the team knew that. And so I think there was a little bit of, uh, there was a little bit of like, well, fuck you guys. I was going to, I, you know, you guys were about to fire me and you have this other head coach, like, screw this. I am like, you know, I, and then on top of that, the caps were like, no, we're going to like honor the old contract, which said, oh, when they won the cup, he was eligible for a renewal at like a little bit of an increase, but Trotz wanted to be paid like one of the top head coaches in the NHL, which fair, right? Like as he should be. Yeah. So I think that there was a lot of those things going on. And uh, there also was this kind of weird rumor that we've seen going around a little bit that really there was a little bit of a power struggle towards the end of the year that they won the cup and that uh, Reardon actually made a number of changes that Trotz might've been okay with, might've not been. And uh, in terms of how the Caps played and how they utilize different personnel. And uh, so you know, I think that that was something that the uh, it, that's kind of been a little bit of a rumor around the team. And uh, yeah, who knows how true that is or not. But that might have also been kind of going around at the scenes a little bit. Yeah, we were just curious about that. And yeah. what I was thinking before is when you made the comment about Trotz uh, having lost the locker room. And it's like, can you replace them with LaViolette, who is just like chronically loses locker rooms and. Like, yeah, I, I will Bobby say this, Lett though. Replaced. Usually he has a couple of years, right? Yeah. And well, he, he definitely has a shelf life. He's yeah. like my yes. in that way. Well, because yes. he he replaced Trotz in Nashville, brought him to a cup, and then within a year, he's out the fucking door. Yeah. Because... Which, I mean, like, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, you guys have seen the Caps core. Like, we're, we're a million years old, and you're going to mm. see that when you play the Caps. So, yeah. like, I... I mean, like, a shelf life is probably fine because, honestly, we... We're looking at like a maybe we can go on like a on a run this year, maybe. But I think in like a year or two, we're talking like, okay, this is going to have to we're going to make some pretty hard decisions here about the long term future of the team. So particularly given that Ovechkin's up for a contract at the end of the year and uh, Vrana is a free is a is an RFA, but they're going to have to find they're going to have to give him a pretty substantial raise, too. So, yeah, it's like one of those where maybe a shelf life is okay because. Like this whole team has a shelf life of maybe a year or two. It's a it's a 
a nice thing that the season is going to be so shortened because they're playing way less games, less wear and tear on the age. But that did jump out to me that it was an older team to begin with, and then they. Signed. I think the oldest team in the NHL, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah. Well, I mean, it now that you guys have Chara, it's definitely it's definitely. <laughs> yeah, the I, average, I think that average might have ticked actually up been just a little bit. That did it. So, <laughs> but I mean, then again, I look. I'll say this: like, I, you know, it. I, they're still for all for all that's said and done. Every year, it seems like the Caps have their various problems, and every year they seem to win the division. And uh, I mean, here we are again. Like, I mean, the Caps are like. I think when you consider points percentage, the caps are tops. Although obviously you guys have a game in hand. And if you win tomorrow, then uh, you'll be tied, I guess, with the caps for first, but like, you know, I mean, like the caps seem to just kind of find a way. I mean, like look at last night against the Islanders when they were without like, I think five or six key pieces and we're getting goals from, like Zdeno Chara and Connor Sherry and Garnet Hathaway were like the guys who were last night. Yeah, kind of, they were, he looked pretty good too. He hasn't mm-hmm. been particularly great to start the year, but he might actually be a good little player for the Caps. But uh, yeah, so it's kind of just been like, you know, it's been weird. And uh, but the Caps might have found themselves the number one goalie, maybe in this VTEC Vanacek guy. Although I've just kind of, as an analytics person, given up understanding goaltending. I just I don't get it. I know that you guys have voodoo. voodoo. That's it. The the, the sooner that you resign yourself to the fact that goaltending is one hundred percent voodoo, the better off you'll be as a fan. And and we're still a little bit better in the Caps community about uh, maybe your uh, your backup goalie a little bit. We might we might have uh, nightmares from uh, a certain playoff series in 2010, uh, <laughs> which I which uh, like uh, like the Lord Voldemort. I will uh, try to not speak the name of as much as I can. <laughs> oh, you mean Halak? <laughs> I I don't know what you're talking about. I've never I tried to erase this from my memory <laughs> as much as I can. Um, I know it's a small sample size. And we'll take this question. I'll take this question with a grain of salt. Has Vitek Vachanak? Vanacek. Vanacek, excuse me. No, you're good. You're good. Fa- has he found the start? Has he taken the starting starting role already? I mean, maybe. The, here's the thing. Like, so you don't I want to play think- Craig Anderson. Yeah. No, we're not. No, no, no. Please, please. I don't want to play Craig Anderson. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but I think that. I don't know. Like, I think that he might be for now, but I mean, look, Vanacek's rebound control is not particularly good. And you guys have a few forwards who I hear are pretty good at those rebounds, you know, and getting to the net. So I think that, um, I, you know, let's see, I, he might, I, you know, you got, y'all know how things work in the NHL, right? Like a guy might be a starter and then like, like two, three years later, or even like two, three games later, like, you know, that might be like, he might be in the backup role and that's kind of it for a while. So I think these things can kind of change. He might be the starter for a little bit. I still think the team sees Samsonov as the, as the future, but I mean, there's been two weird things with Samsonov. I mean, first off, there was the ATV accident he had last year, which I, I know that the team was, that was weird. Yeah. (laughs) And then I'd say the ATV thing, which I know the team wasn't thrilled about. And then, I, I mean, like the being in the room with all the guys with, with, uh, and testing positive for COVID isn't a great look either. So, you know, I, I, either one, you can kind of say, okay, maybe that wasn't his fault or okay, maybe that's forgivable. But I mean, Vanacek has been fine so far and fine has been enough for the Caps. So I think there might be a little bit of keep him in until he struggles for a few games. And then we'll kind of see how Samsonov looks after that. I appreciate you coming on, man. Again, this was fun. Y'all, y'all, y'all have a good show here. This is great. 
Should I, should I plug stuff for three seconds? Yeah, if you want to, go ahead. Yeah, you can find, uh, I, I write at jpersrink.com. Uh, it's one of the SB Nation sites that covers the caps. Um, so you can find my stuff there. I am going to work on something this weekend, although I don't totally know what it is yet. Um, I write usually every week or so. Uh, mystery right? project. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, we'll see how the game goes tomorrow, and then maybe that'll affect what I write or not. But um, I so you can find me there. The sh- uh, You can find... Uh, I, I podcast at at or at Japers Rink Radio, which you can find on every iTunes station. We actually get some decent guests, which is cool. Uh, we've had Greg Wyshynski in the past. We've had Dmitry Filipovich. Sean uh, Sean McAdoo has been on before. Uh, this year, we just had an episode with uh, Corey Snyder of Shutdown Line, and uh, we got some other kind of big names lined up, which I'm excited about. Um, and uh, so you can find the show there. Uh, the the Twitter for the show is at Japers Rink Radio. Um, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Greg Y underscore JR, and uh, I tweet most Caps games. Uh, although I will say, uh, last night when the Caps were down 3-0, I tweeted this uh, – photo of a drink I made and a different hockey game on saying I was going to take the rest of the night off. And then, uh, and then <laughs> they scored the two goals right away. And I'm like, Oh, maybe I'll turn the game back on. And everyone was like, no, 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 no. You need to keep it off. You're not allowed so, to watch any cap games. <laughs> yeah, which I, which I was relieved because I turned it on and then the cap scored again to tie it. And I was like, okay, we're good. Like we're good. If they hadn't scored again, you wouldn't be allowed to cover the cast. I know, I know, I know. I would have been barred from watching the team again, which would have been annoying because I'm like supposed to cover them and stuff. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, we, we have fun on Japer's rink and uh, it's uh, worth, worth checking out if you uh, enjoy coverage of a aging hockey team that might or might not be at the uh, end of the rope here. Love it. Very Greg, good. thanks so much, man. We really no problem, appreciate no having you this on. Is a blast. I had a great time. Total yeah. pleasure, man. All right, so that was Greg Young. Excellent, excellent content. I don't know about you, but I'm so excited for this series now. Uh, I'm 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 super pumped, and not just not just for the the Chara angle. Um, this team is has still has a lot of firepower. It sounds like the um, the Russian four, as he put it, are close to returning, and I'm looking forward to that. I love watching Alexander Ovechkin play, and yeah, it's going to be a fantastic series. If you guys are wondering how the Short Shift podcast came to be and other stuff about me, Andrew, look up My Name is Searle on the on Spotify. I was a guest on his podcast uh, this past week, and it was a really eye-opening discussion about rivalries, hockey, personal stuff, and where Brad Marchand ranks on, in Bruins history. So go ahead, check that out. It's My Name is Searle. All right, dude. I'll talk to you later. All right, peace. You were right, Thomas. I have to, I have to.
I had to put my get get myself up for that. I get it. 